Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, hello, and welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast. We are the official podcast of procurementsoftware.site, where you can search, filter, and look for every single procurement tech solution under the sun that you could possibly want. And it will take you less time to do so than it will to boil an egg. It's all completely free. And we don't charge anyone for any access. We don't charge any software providers to be listed. It's completely democratized access to information on procurement technology. And today, my guest is uh, actually a coach in the procurement space. And there's not very many of those, which is why I was really excited to get her onto the show. Uh, I met Laura for the first time at ProcureCon in Barcelona last September, but we'd actually been connected on LinkedIn for a while. And I was just really intrigued about what she did and how coaching can aid and assist procurement leaders, especially in the context, uh, as we do on this show, to talk about digital transformation and some of the skill sets that may be lacking from the procurement community when they're embarking on that journey. So Laura Sellers from Olive, welcome to the show. Hi, James. Thanks so much for having me. So you're actually a procurement professional that transitioned to being a coach Walk me through that journey. What was your why? Because I'm really curious. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I I worked in a large procurement organization as a head of a support team. So we had a bit of everything under that team. So we did, um, we had the contracting team um, under my remit. We also had project management, change management, process improvement. And then for about three years of that leadership role that I held, um, I was also the leadership sponsor for employee engagement. So that's when I really found a love for developing others. But I really wanted to know and have the tools, really, to have the knowledge and the tools, because obviously you have your own leadership experience, your own leadership journey. But I really wanted to to become an, a, a trained expert in how to get the best out of the people I was working with. So I did a bit of research and um, came across executive coaching. And then I trained as a coach. And, and here I am now. So was it more of the... Was it more of the push or the pull factors that that sent you down that journey? I mean, did you did you fall out of love a little bit with procurement and felt like you wanted a change, or or was it really just from a personality perspective you you felt a bit more of a calling to do something more people centric? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter because I I, I think my position in procurement has felt a bit unique. Um, to some because I, I I sat on the edge of procurement, so my roles were always supporting the procurement teams within the organization where I was. So it was about going in, sorting out a process, getting the procurement teams processes aligned with the processes of the finance teams, with IT. And so, yeah, it was more about how I really enjoyed going in and sorting out 
a process and getting things to work well, getting things to align and getting people to align. And I really love change management. So I did some training in change management in the organization where I worked. And then I really wanted to hone in more on the people side of things. So yeah, it was definitely that calling to to really, how can you get the best out of the people who are working there? Because we're all unique. You know, we all have our own experiences coming into procurement and the roles, you know, that um, always look different depending on the size of the organization and the sectors that you work in. So yeah, it was about how can you support the individual in the best way possible that works for them. Yeah, and you touched on, you, you mentioned change management in your answer, and that's obviously a huge part of it. And you know, change management now in procurement, there are there are two sort of big ones that, that that I see out there and constantly in terms of like LinkedIn content and talks at conferences that you that I hear and and just general podcast articles that I read in the procurement space. One of them is obviously digital transformation and and all of the change and the and the project management piece that goes along with just you know going out and sourcing and finding the right solution for your specific needs which is what I which is what I help people do is a big part of that but yeah. you've obviously got to take the people with you and then the other part the other part that I see or that I hear talks about a lot is the journey that we're on in procurement you know, sort of pivoting away a little bit from just being a more reactive, very much cost savings driven function to be more a more holistic value driving department that, you know, works in sync with the business and and is much more aligned and incorporated in the overall objectives and, and performance of the business. And both of those sort of single issues require a lot of change management. So I wanted to ask you, and it is what do you think the biggest challenges that procurement leaders need help with? You know, not not necessarily because I think change management is is kind of obvious when you take a step back. But what skills or what aspects of their professional training and personality do you think they they need to upskill with the most if they've maybe you know been in been in the profession for for quite a long time and and just need to refresh their skills? Sorry, um, some of that cut out a little bit there. Um, so I think in terms of skills, um, I think it's about looking at where the person is, where the leader is in their organisation, because everybody's situations are unique in the context of the organisation where they work. And in terms of moving forward, there's a lot of narratives around procurement, isn't there, about, like you said, the more traditional, the the historic um, position that procurement held as in an organisation. Now there's a lot of opportunity change that narrative and to become a lot more of an enabling function and to get involved in lots of different areas. So I think it's about the the soft skills, if you like, but more about understanding yourself and how they play to your strengths because everybody will have strengths in their own areas. With following process, you've got really analytical thinkers in, in procurement leadership roles. You've also got people who like to take risks. You've got people who are risk averse. So it's about how to develop your skills aligned with the business that you're in now and honouring the journey you've come on so far. Because I think sometimes that's what really holds people back from driving change in procurement is because they're, they're still finding themselves stuck in the situation where they were before. So about knowing whether you've got the sponsorship of the lead, of the of the C-suite, if you've got the um, the capabilities and the the belief in the, in the value that procurement can deliver. So it's about looking at where the person is now, what's going on for them, and let's tease out those strengths and let's work on the development areas. I hope that answered your question. Like I said, it was a bit... 
Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it definitely did, and it's interesting listening to you say that because are you finding then that typically senior procurement leaders are coming to you saying my team needs upskilling, or is it more the leader acknowledging that they, to, to quote Marshall Goldsmith's famous book, "What got you here won't necessarily get you there." Uh, are they, are they, are they, is it individuals mainly that come to you or, or are you finding that it's usually leaders that want help to, to bring their team up to the skill level that they need? I think it's a bit of both. Um, so I, I tend to get a lot of inquiries from the procurement leader as an individual and then that might lead to more team-based work as well. Um, I tend to get, I, I do sort of have a bit of a 50-50 split. So I have organisations approach me um, to do work with the team and then that might lead into one-to-one coaching as well. And then I also get inquiries from individuals who come to me separately from their organizations who want to work on their skill sets. So, um, and some examples of those, obviously my work's confidential, but some examples of the themes that we're looking at are things like developing executive presence to feel like they are being heard in their roles. So they might actually have what is perceived to be that infamous seat at the table, um, but they don't feel comfortable in it. So it's about how can I help them to to feel comfortable in that chair, in that seat. So it could be around developing their executive presence. It could be around how they build relationships within that leadership team. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I I think the conversation always starts with one thing, with one goal. Then as we develop through the coaching relationship, which can take place over six months, say, sometimes there are other goals that become apparent as well and they're interlinked. So it might be that we start working on one thing and then something else appears. So we ought to tackle that as well. Yeah, that's interesting. And is it, is it usually then, are they coming to you at a time that they're about to embark on on a big change journey in a digital transformation probably being the most common of those or or some sort of restructuring from being a more tactical operational department to being a, a more all-encompassing strategic value driving team? Is, are they usually at that at that crossroads or, or or does it depend? I think it really does depend. Um, when it when it's from an organizational approach that I get, it's around, you know, they've got a big amount of spend to come in and they want the support to help the team through that. I think when it's with an individual who's approached me, um, their situations are, are unique to them and it's around actually they want to have a bit more of a hold on that work-life balance or integration. Um, because they feel so burnt out from what's been going on over the last few years and they just want to support themselves better. And to, I think there's also something around reaction and response as well, where they, they know they would like to be able to deal with the challenges that come their way differently. So, um, so yeah, it's a mixed bag, really. Like, um, but certainly when it comes to the transformation, the, the work that I do with organisations tends to be at the start of that journey. Yeah, and you mentioned burnout and... I'd like to talk a little bit more about burnout, actually, because procurement in every organization is a pretty leanly staffed department, I think is probably an understatement. But even in the situation that we find ourselves in now, you know, having to battle a once in 40 years inflationary situation and all of the supply chain disruption that we're seeing as uh, as an ongoing uh, fallout of of COVID and 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 the war in Ukraine and 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 a lot of the geopolitical factors, we're not getting more resource, are we? We're procurement teams are hiring people, but they're not necessarily expanding their teams. Certainly not in terms of frontline category management and the the types of procurement professionals that are actually the doers, the ones that get their hands dirty. So. 
how are you finding then that what what are the typical problems that they're coming to? What what why why are they burnt out? Is it just dealing with too many tactical day to day firefighting problems, or what what is it that's that's driving that conversation and and, and the wish to change? Yeah, I think that there's definitely this thing about balance. You know, I, I I commonly talk to leaders who are working as as long as twenty hour days, wow. which isn't sustainable. You know, and it's and it's yeah, it's become a real factor, and um, and it's, it's it it can feel really counterintuitive when you've got so much to get through on your on your list of to do things to actually stop and say, right, okay, this can't go on. It's that a lot of people sort of feel like, well, when I've done this. I'll then look at my leadership development. When I've done this, I'll be able to get sorted. And we know that to-do list never goes down. And especially when it's the smaller tasks, like you say, the day-to-day um, tasks, that, the things that keep on coming, but they seem really small. So we think, okay, we'll get we'll get more off by doing these first and not tackling the big things that might actually add more value to the team. So um, that that's definitely something that that I've been talking with leaders about is how to address that balance because they love the there's definitely appetite to change there's definitely energy to change but it's the back into the reality so you can do a workshop with somebody and then it's back into okay it's great what I learned but I've just got to get back into it because it's changing habits changing habits is not easy so um the way coaching can support that is how we we tackle that over a period of time and um and and that's how they're, they're the sort of conversations around burnout that I'm having is how can we change this because this can't go on yeah, I've I've been in that situation as well. I've been to conferences or I've been to trainings and you come out of them really, really inspired and then you go back to the office and sit behind your desk or maybe these days you go home and sit behind your desk and then and then the reality bites, doesn't it, that you've got that you've got the same old crap and it's just a different day. And yeah. you, you you've been taken out of that really inspiring environment and back to back to reality with a bump. Yeah, it's um and I think the recognition that things need to change is the start, isn't it? It's like alcoholics will only will will only go to AA when they recognise that they have a problem and they want to change. And it's kind of the same, I guess, for for leadership coaching that somebody has to recognise that they have improvement potential or development potential that they need to address before they feel coachable, I guess. Yeah, that's you make a really good point there. You know, you have to be ready to, because it, it's a wasted investment if you're not ready to see change. It takes courage. Um, like you say, it's the awareness. Awareness is always the first thing, but it also takes courage to say, I need help or I, I, I need to change something, but I don't know what. You know, I also have people who say, but I don't know what my goal is. And that's okay because sometimes the goal doesn't become apparent. We talk, we look at what's going on. We look at what's going on for you right now. What's a pattern? And then we we see how we can then measure that progress over time. So, but you're absolutely right. It takes it takes the courage, but also the awareness to say, right, okay, something needs to change. And that's also why working externally with a with a, with an external coach really helps as well. Because I'm not in the thick of that situation, so I'm able to hold up that mirror to give you a different perspective. Because if I was really in the thick of things with you, I would be seeing things maybe in the same way. So it's that that's how working with an external coach really helps to. And I can certainly see the advantage of doing that, of course. I mean, procurement, though, in general, seems very reluctant to invest in itself as a as a function, doesn't it? And I'm not just referring to coaching or training here. It's the same applies to software. When I talk to software solutions providers, the first thing they'll say is that, 
procurement leaders, by and large, are, are open and realize that that this could could add value. You get some that that don't, but generally speaking, the conversations that they typically tell me are, yes, that's a great solution, but I don't have any money to invest in it. Why do you think this is? You know, sales and marketing don't have this problem, do they? Or maybe they do, and they're just good at covering it up. I don't know. <laughs> I think. Um, if we compare it to sales, for example, there's a real tangible outcome for that, isn't there? You know, you could put somebody into sales training and you'd be able to measure them on their sales results, you know. And whereas in procurement, there's obviously some numbers that are tangible, like in savings delivery. There, there are so many other roles that procurement plays that may not have as tangible um, an output, which makes it really hard to demonstrate the value of doing something. I mean, coaching is a really great example as well. There's such a synergy there because the results are unique for everybody and also it, it comes from the work of the individual. But I think coming back to the narratives as well about procurement though, when when there's this big narrative around procurement adding value and once technology comes in, procurement might get replaced, you know, there's that fear. There's also that thing about the needing to add value. So if you're if you're already feeling that way that you're constantly having to demonstrate the value that you bring as a procurement team, then to then go and say, oh, but also can you invest in us too, can feel really counterintuitive. It can feel really difficult to say, well, we, it's our job to keep costs down. So why would I ask to introduce more cost into the business by investing in my own development? It's something where it feels counterintuitive, but actually by investing in your own development, you can tackle the problems and the challenges that you've got with a different mindset. Yeah, and it's that... It's that want that's it's that want and desire to be recognized for the work that we do, isn't it? And yeah. beyond beyond savings. And I and I get what you're saying. It's very, very hard sometimes to to make that tangible and to quantify it. And I, I do genuinely think that these procurement performance management tools that are out there now from a from a software perspective can make it a little bit visible all of the work that procurement does beyond just you know, the typical cost savings target, because if we are more embedded within the business and driving wider business objectives, I think that does then become much more visible that through our relationships with the suppliers, we can drive things like energy savings or carbon emissions reductions or uh, or, or, or improve quality and reduce lead times, better payment terms, that types of things that, that, that interest operations and finance and and, and sustainability. So, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. It, it's it's almost like we need to make the business aware of what we do better. And this goes again back to communication skills, I guess, which is part of what you do from a coaching perspective to to be able to get that investment, be it in personal development or in software. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I sometimes use the hashtag like "choose your seats." You know, like to, because. You can ask for that seat at the table, but how about you choose how you want to show up? And that comes with knowing exactly how you work, understanding yourself, understanding your own reactions to to what goes on in in your role and within the organization. And the more self-awareness you have, the greater impact you'll have. And you won't need to feel like you have to justify anything. You know, it's 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 a change in perspective. It's certainly a shift, but it works. You mentioned two things there that I really, really wanted to touch on. You said self-awareness was the first one and this and, and this age-old seat at the table complaint. And, and I wanted to bring both those up, actually. Let me start with the seat at the table first. So we constantly hear this seat at the table complaint. And there is no denying that we often encounter apathy or even outright resistance sometimes when we try and engage with stakeholders. 
Do you feel that that's down to our own self-awareness or, or maybe even self-importance, dare I say, that, uh, that, that we attribute to ourselves as procurement professionals? And, and, if, and, if you, and if you do think that, I wanted to ask you, do you feel that that's more acute as a problem at the top of the tree? Or is it something that you generally diagnose with more sort of functional experts that you coach, you know, the category manager level type of positions that are, that are more sort of getting their hands dirty with the business on a day to day? I think everybody's unique. Everybody's got their own experience that, that they bring to procurement so, um, and to the organization. So I think while there may be cases of apathy, as you mentioned, I think it's about honoring the experiences of each person that having that feeling and that sensation of needing that seat at the table or wanting to feel comfortable in that seat at the table. Because there are old narratives, old experiences about the, the role that procurement plays. So, you know, when we, we, we see that debate about procurement dinosaurs on LinkedIn, you know, <laughs> so, you know, whether there's a name for anyone like that, that's not everybody, you know, it's, it, and everybody's experience is valid. It, it is absolutely valid of, of the experience that they've had within procurement so far. So it's not dismissing the you know, the apathy might be there because of an experience that they've had and that's really put them off. So it might be that they didn't have a bought in leadership team. It might be that they've had bad feedback. It might be that they even recognize that they could have done a different or better job in the past. But that's where great leaders are made. Like great leaders know where they've come from and how they need to change to get to get better and different results. So um, I think it's about honouring all of the approaches or the approach that feels unique to that individual and saying, okay, so this is your experience of your seat at the table, procurement seat at the table. What can we leave to one side? What can we acknowledge and leave behind? And what can we work with to get you to where you want to go? I hope that that makes sense. Yeah. In terms of that. Sorry, what was the other question? Um, no, I think you, yeah, I mean, around the, around the self awareness and and whether the seat at the table is it is it our own is it our own fault or is it the business's fault that we don't have a seat at the table? And I know it's a loaded question because the answer's like a little bit of both, but yeah, maybe it's nobody's fault. Maybe it it is what it is, and how do we take ownership and accountability to change that? Because if we, if we look if we look at things with well, it's this, it's this person's fault that we're not heard in the leadership team. It's, you know, we can't control that. We can't control somebody's thoughts, feelings, behaviours, but we can control our own. So going back to the self-awareness point, that's where actually it, it can be daunting. It takes courage to say, okay, I'm in control of this. But also it's really empowering to take that approach of actually, I can change how I feel about that seat at the table. I can change how I approach that seat, that seat at the table. So it's exciting with that mindset. <laughs> I guess part of the challenge for you is to be able to assess fairly early on in the journey whether the, the individual that that you're working with is is coachable or not. So let, let's imagine that you had someone come to you as an inbound potential prospect or lead for your for your services. What what would you typically ask them then to ensure that they're a good fit for you and that and that you believe that you can positively work with them? Yeah, that's a really good question because I, I, I do touch on it a few times um, on my social media that um, chemistry is a huge thing with your coach. You need to know, like, and trust your coach. So, um, I mean, contracting is such a familiar term in the procurement world, but the way that um, we, it's approached in coaching is through the three Ps. So there's professional and procedural. So we'll talk about how we work and, you know, how we want the coaching relationship to work. So this is on a one-to-one -one basis, of course. Um, 
but we do do contracting and team coaching too. And then the third one is psychological contracting. So it would be, I would ask questions such as, how do you want me to be with you as your coach? What do I need to do to get the best out of you? What approaches do you like? What approaches don't you like? Is that, it is absolutely a partnership coaching. It's not the coach having all the answers and telling you what to do. That's not coaching. So I always make sure that they get a real flavor of how I would work when I have those initial conversations with them. So I hold what we call, I call it an intro call, but it's a chemistry call. Some coaches may call it or a discovery call. And then there will be occasions where I might say I'm not the right person for them because I might not be able to um, support them with that challenge. But I have a network of other coaches that I might know who do. So it's absolutely, if you don't feel like you could have that connection with your coach, with me, you know, then it's not for you. It's a huge investment. And there are other coaches out there who may be a better fit. So, and every good coach knows that. It's about that you will get the better results when you have that good chemistry with them. So you, we, we discuss all that up front before any commitments made to work together. Do you often find that people come to you and they're just completely on a different wavelength in terms of what they want to get out of it? So you're obviously working a lot on interpersonal skills with what you do, but do you find what, what people often actually need is to figure out how to do things like using chat GPT and procurement or understanding what technical solutions are out there and what the different technical drivers and outcomes can be from those solutions as opposed to the the more sort of raw interpersonal skills? Yeah, I think it's about broadening perspective. So you mentioned digital skills, you know, whether it's another skill that a procurement professional needs to have. So it might be that everybody has their own skill sets. You know, if, if you think, if you've ever done like one of the... Um, personality profiling like insights discovery where you're a different color yeah, so you might I've be a red yeah. yeah so you might find that you've got a lot of process driven people in your team because that's that's the origins of procurement isn't it you know so like the blue process driven individuals might find it really hard to to take a a bit more of a risk or to think about something different think about trying something new and that's not putting people in a box. It's just, it's an example. Yeah. You know, everybody is different and has to, we all have these traits. They just come out in different ways. And um, so sometimes it's not so much about, because the skill set, I believe that everybody's got the potential. That's my job as a coach. That everybody has that potential within them and wants to do and can do whatever they want to do. It's about me to help them broaden that perspective. So it's not necessarily about having the skills because you can build skills, you can learn knowledge. You can, you know, there are plenty of ways to learn. It's about your perspective to, well, if that doesn't work, I'll be okay. And what strategies have you got to use um, to to help you as you go forward in that growth journey as a leader and and, and in as procurement? Because procurement's on a verge of, well, it's, it's evolving all the time, the identity of procurement. So, it's, so my role in this is helping you to thrive in that sort of environment. And then the digital skills and the sustainability skills, they all come, come in as and when. Yeah, and the digital skills and sustainability skills, they're more the hard skills, I guess, aren't they? I mean, if we're focusing on more of the softer skills, the type of the type of thing that you would typically include within a, a coaching program, which of those skills do you think will replace the more traditional process-driven category management approach to procurement over the next five years? You know, what do you think we need to stock up on in terms of you know, not hard skills necessarily, but the, the, the softer skills specifically. Where, what are the specifics around that? Yeah, um, self-awareness, um, emotional intelligence, collaboration, communication, 
understanding. So if you think about in a negotiation situation, there's these tactics we have for negotiation, but actually what about the, the person on the other side? But how do you build that relationship with that person on the other side? If we go back to that contracting example that I used in coaching. When there's, you know, if you're negotiating a contract with somebody, is there ever a conversation about psychological contracts? Well, how are we going to be with each other? How are we going to work together? How's it going to work for you? You know, it's, I think there's so much potential in that approach when it comes to being the dot connectors that procurement are really capable of being. So um, I, I really do see that um, it all starts with self. All of these skills, soft skills, hard skills, it all starts with awareness of yourself. So that's for me, and I will say this, I'm a coach, but I, I, the proof is in the pudding for myself. You know, I've been through this journey myself as well. So, you know, it, the, the more you know and understand yourself, the more you can grow and develop. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Just thinking back to my corporate procurement days when we were trying to implement master service agreements with global or, or regional key suppliers, usually at a country ba- at a country level or at a, at a at a plant location level, always exactly the same reason. If there was ever a conflict that the the, the local team didn't want to use a supplier. It, it was usually down to the fact that the key stakeholder and the key account manager from the supplier just didn't get on for whatever reason. And, and you know, some, sometimes it was one person's personality more than the others. But that was, going back to the people side of things, pretty much always the reason. It was rarely because the supplier was fundamentally bad. It was usually a people factor. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the people factor is always a thing. I mean, when you, if, even if you link it into other challenges that are facing procurement leaders at the moment with the talent attraction and retention, that retention piece is so important. Like, what are the reasons for somebody moving on? You know, and a lot of the time it does come down to the people side of things. So what can we do to develop our people and invest in our people to increase the chances of retention? And then it's, it, all of this has a ripple effect. So the more self-awareness you have in the way that you deal with others and the more you understand how you you react and respond to things can then help you to have that ripple effect in your relationships in the workplace. So in your supplier base, in your stakeholder base internally, it's um, it, it's a journey. It's it's not something that gets done overnight, and and it's not about there being something wrong with the individual. Well, they they communicate badly. It's about this is how they communicate. How can we work on that? How can we develop that? Got it. So final question, Laura, and I'm giving you the floor here. Imagine that you're at a conference and you're having a glass of wine after the day with a chief procurement officer. How would you, what would be your elevator pitch for them to go back to their CEO or CFO to to get them to invest in their procurement team's leadership and capabilities? Oh, the pressure. I probably wouldn't have a glass of wine with that though. So probably, but... uh... So my angle is that I help to maximize the value of procurement by unlocking their full potential. So from a CFO, CEO's point of view, I help you to maximize your your procurement resource and to help them to own the seat at the table. For the procurement professional, it's about helping you to feel heard, feel heard and feeling comfortable in that seat. Feel heard and feel comfortable. Now that's a that's a great one. Thank you, Laura. And I think that also very much is in line with the, the 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 making the convincing argument to invest in software as well. You know that if if sales and HR have got the latest tech, then procurement needs it as well. But you have to get that message across of there are so many examples of digital transformations gone wrong or or, or botched implementations of of certain legacy software that I'm not necessarily a fan of. But there's so much more out there in terms of best of breed and the new breed of uh, of, of all in one suites that are coming onto the market now to disrupt some of the older players that. 
it's a constantly evolving marketplace. And I think that's also relevant for that too. Yeah. Laura, thank you. I appreciate your time. I know that you need to go about your busy day. So if anyone would like to learn more about your services and what you do, then where's the best place that we can send them? Great. So you can find me on LinkedIn. So um, Laura Sellers there. My company is called Olive Executive and Leadership Coaching. And my website is much smaller than that. It's called weareolive.co.uk. So you can find me in those places. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes. Laura, it's been a pleasure. Hope to see you again at a conference later this year. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. Yeah, you too. Bye. So leadership coaching, an integral part of your digital transformation journey, as well as your general procurement, upskilling and transformation. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please go and give us a review. It really helps us to reach more people. And I would be highly appreciative if you do. Until next week, take care wherever you are. Thanks for listening and bye for now. 